Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander and Coda.io. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm joined today by Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. How are we doing? I, I feel like we got a bit of a Friday the 13th hangover happening this week. A little bit. A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. A little yeah. Bit. I was going to say, has, was there like, has there been like a full moon or anything? Or I guess there was the lunar eclipse, which I did not there see. There was the blood moon. Yeah. Blood lunar so there, eclipse or whatever it was called. Right. So, yeah. So that explains something. why blood was running from my faucets all afternoon. I was oh, really yeah. curious about that. Ah, well, we have uh, <laughs> some cursed, a cursed selection of topics for you this week. The week of the cursed blood moon. <laughs> Um, and let us get right into it before my voice completely fails me. All right. So starting today, we are talking about Sony's new uh, PlayStation subscription offering. So as we previously reported, oh. Sony mm -hmm. is changing up its subscription offerings for PlayStation. They're blending PS Now and PlayStation Plus into a new three-tier system with premium, extra, and essential tiers. And ladies, I gotta say, after reading these blog posts and these articles about it, I don't understand anything that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? <sighs> Literally this week, um, Ars Technica published a an article, a helpful article, Kyle Orland at Ars Technica, um, called, We Made a PlayStation Plus Explainer That's Better Than Sony's. Brackets updated. Um, and even... <laughs> Even looking at this, I swear my eyes are falling out of my head and uh, my nose is bleeding. So, Kyle, thank you for your hard work. I still am so confused by by the complexity of uh, this system. So, I, But I know that you both had strong negative reactions to certain news that Sony announced this week. So, um, Christina. Do you know what this feels yeah. like? It feels like they just walked around Sony and they were like, hey, what you got lying around? You got some Ape Escape? You got yeah. some, hey, we bought this uh, whole cloud gaming thing a few years ago. Can we can we just nut that onto it? Just bolt it onto this this piece of garbage? And they just yeah. like got this. It's like Katamari. Uh, 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 it's like Katamari. They just rolled up everything at the Sony offices <laughs> until they got this. They've got the Ubisoft Plus Classics game lineup something i've never even heard of i was gonna say and i've never heard of it either but i am not ubisoft's number one fan you are so if you haven't ever heard of this then no one has the thing that it, i think um one of my favorite parts about kyle's explainer on this uh the ubisoft plus classics game lineup which is one of the benefits of the extra tier which is of course the middle tier of the new playstation subscription service ubisoft classics plus or yeah, ubisoft plus classics game lineup this isn't the full 100-game Ubisoft Plus lineup that launched in, apparently, 2019. It's a special cut-down version for PlayStation Plus owners that starts with 27 titles and expands to 50 by the end of 2022. So it's not the full 100-game lineup of a thing that we've never heard of. It's a 27-game version of that that might be 50 by the end of 2022. I, well, I have yeah. listed these games in front of me. Okay, so Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Sorry, apologies, Simone. That game is ass. Uh, it's got Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, best Far Cry game ever. Uh, Far Cry 3 Remaster. It, it's okay. Far Cry 4 
Eh, not the best Far Cry game. A couple of South Park games. If you like that kind of humor, yeah, welcome to 2005. You can go do a little time traveling and enjoy that. Uh, You've got Star Trek Bridge Crew for all three of you out there that enjoy playing that game with PlayStation VR headset. (laughs) Uh, You've got Trials of the Blood Dragon, which is a terrible game. Uh, They literally just mixed Trials with Blood Dragon because they had the popular Blood Dragon IP around. We're like, what are we going to do with this? This is, oh, and they've got Watch Dogs which is essentially a GTA mod in its well, ass. So well, it, uh, Watch Dogs is, is fine. Watch yeah. Dogs has been given away for free multiple times and has been around yeah. forever. Like, that's the thing. Any of the decent games here, I think people already have. And that's the story, yeah. I think, of this entire product, if, if I can go so far. Yeah. Like, like, it's not just the Ubisoft um, uh, like thing if you're going to pay $15 a month. And again, I should point out, for $15 a month, and I know that it's cheaper if you do the annual plans and blah, 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 but $15 a month is what Xbox charges for Game Pass Ultimate, which gives you Game Pass on your Xbox, Game Pass on your PC, and the cloud gaming component, including day one um, titles um, from not just the Microsoft-owned studios, but there are a bunch of, of bigger um, people who participate in that. And it, it's it's a really robust and compelling offering. This offering, which is fifteen dollars um, a, a month, if you're just at the at the extra tier, so it, it, you have to pay even more money if you want to get access to the old stuff. Um, anything that's worth playing that they've announced so far is stuff that is already selling for like twenty dollars or less, or that people mm-hmm. already own. It, it's just ridiculous. I have two two comments to make here. One is my devil's advocate comment, which I don't believe, which is of course like. It, it, if they are trying to genuinely compete with Xbox and Game Pass, of course they need a deep, deep library because that's what Xbox has. And sure. going back into the Ubisoft well does make sense. The way that they are kind of stiffing their users, which sounds harsh, but I'm about to expand on it, is strange because they've got like in the in the premium tier, in the most expensive tier. They've got these time-limited game trials. Six have been announced so far. And among those, time-limited trial game trials are the Uncharted uh, Legacy of Thieves collection, Horizon Forbidden West, Cyberpunk 2077, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, WWE 2K22. Like, these are new big games, but these are the games that would be available with your Game Pass subscription. Because they are the first-party place like sony games like horizon forbidden west totally. like yes it did come out this year like it does seem kind of um it, it, it's hard to say that something that just came out this year should be available you know to download for free but that's what that's what their biggest competitor is doing and cyberpunk 2077 right. came out last year and yes it has a big big new like it, it's been totally revamped but but still like <laughs> it, it's so weird that these are time limited um, and it's not even like all games that came out this year. It's older stuff right. too. Right. So my big takeaway from looking at this is that, you know, I, I Microsoft, I think with Xbox, with Game Pass, they very clearly have been willing to do like like Clayton Christensen, who who's like a, a kind of like a, had has this theory, like the innovator's dilemma and talked about disruption. And one of the ideas, his concept was that if um, you needed to, to disrupt yourself before someone else disrupted for you. And I feel like Microsoft was willing to blow up the traditional business model for some of their games 
by saying we will forego some of the $60, $70, you know, day one purchases in exchange for building up this bigger ongoing subscription base. Um, and, and the way the Game Pass works, not every game is available forever, right? Some of them drop mm-hmm. off. So there are periods of time where people might discover something and then buy it at a discount afterwards or, um, you know, uh, you miss it and, and it goes away. So it's not as if even like one-off sales go away because people can still do that. But they were willing to say, okay, we will be willing to give up some of that revenue. Sony is very clearly said, and they said it in, in their announcement uh, before even the games came out, they're not willing to do that. They are not mm-hmm. willing to disrupt their business. So that's fine. If you don't want to disrupt your business, if you are if you are really concerned of saying, okay, this will cannibalize our existing sales and we maybe don't have other revenue streams to make up for that and, and we're not willing to go in that direction, that's okay. What's not okay to me is to have a service that you are literally launching as a competitor service that is priced more expensively uh, than your competitor that offers not just less, but embarrassingly less. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it, like, like it's an embarrassment. Like it, it's, it's just bad. It's like it literally, it's like feels like the bare minimum. I mean, when you look at for the the ult, like whatever the 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 highest end tier is, you know, as Brie was mentioning, Ape Escape. When you're looking at bringing in classic games, you have this classic IP, and you're like, yeah, but we're gonna give you Ape Escape. Are you kidding me? In what universe? Would that be a compelling reason for someone to subscribe and pay, you know, $18 a month or whatever it is for your service? Yeah. Ape Escape is actually one of the better games on this list. As someone that played, I I played probably 99% of these games. And like, Christine, you and I went the frack off when the PlayStation Classic (laughs) came out because it showed such a, like, uh, a a contempt for Sony's own history, their gaming legacy. Nintendo would never put out a product Never. like that ever like uh the the zelda uh ocarina of time came out on switch it didn't play right and they fixed that because they got roasted there like sony's just like yeah whatever i i just <laughs> want to go through some of these ps1 games when when christine when you think about the ps1 library and the games that you really love like just just name one or two what are the really big games that you think of with like nostalgia for that era uh, Tomb Raider, obviously. Um, uh, yeah. Medal of Honor. Um, uh, Resident okay. Evil. Um, Tony okay. Hawk Pro Skater. Um, yeah. Uh, Crash Bandicoot. If if you really, yeah. if you want to do that, Parappa the Rappa. Uh, I mean, like those 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 are those are the games that I think of. Parappa was great. Uh, so uh, uh, Intelligent Cube isn't on that list. Uh, Worms World Party isn't on that list. I'm, oh. I'm stunned here. Hot Shots Golf isn't on that list. No. You don't think fondly back to going and playing that. Even games like Siphon Filter. I'm sorry. I beat Siphon Filter 1, 2, and 3 when they came out. Those controls were but back in the 90s, and they are uh, flat out unplayable today. They're just unplayable. We didn't have dual joysticks. Siphon Filter 1, don't play it. It's terrible. Their remaster games are freaking garbage. Dark Cloud 1 is a bad game designed to waste tons of your time. Jax was never good. It's never going to be good. They've got three of those here. Mm. Rogue Galaxy is trash. Like, Kingdoms of Amalur is kind of interesting, but, like, all these games are so bad, and the streaming service, my God, the streaming service, 
It has so much lag. There's not one of those games that is is a good experience to play on their streaming service, in my experience. So it's just it's it's like you said, Christine. It's so embarrassing. Yeah, like where's Metal Gear Solid? Like there are just there are so oh, many things. Oh gosh. That- Sorry. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Go on. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you, you look at this list of, 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 the, of the classic games they have and, and you look at even the streamable stuff and it is it is just embarrassing. It is just straight up embarrassing. And the only thing I can grab from it. And, and look, I, I'm a PlayStation fan. I, 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 I'm more loyal to Nintendo than anything. But like I bought a PlayStation 5 and I helped Bree and Simone get theirs. And I think that I they have it. really good first party stuff. But when I but when I'm looking at like, okay, Mr. Driller was a great game. Guess what system it was better on? It was better on Dreamcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like the, this stuff, like Tekken Two. Are you kidding? Like this is it, this whole thing is just it's just embarrassing. And to, as I said, I really just feel like this is showing that they, as a company, do not at, at all even remotely seem committed to this endeavor. Because if they did, and if they are, and this is the lineup they're going to. Mm-hmm to market with, then I don't know what to tell you because this is the least competitive offering I've ever seen. And that includes Nintendo, who is not very competitive in this space, but at least they have the benefit of being freaking Nintendo. You get Final Fantasy VI included in a Happy Meal in the United States. There's so many freaking remasters of this. <laughs> right. Where's like the classic Squaresoft games of this era? Final totally. Fantasy Tactics, there are enough people that love tactics they would subscribe to this service for. 100%. They have Tekken 2 here. That's not even the good Tekken okay. game on PlayStation. That's what Tekken I'm saying. Tekken 3. It- yeah. I was going to say, it's Tekken 3. It's not even the good one. Also, like, it, it, um, is, is Gran Turismo on here? I don't think it is. Like, uh, now I don't think... Th- I, so, again, I mean, and then people can claim, oh, well, they couldn't get the licensing for this and that. I don't actually care. They have enough money. If they wanted to, they could. Um, and and so uh, the, the back catalog is strong enough that if they wanted to bring... And that's true for all of this stuff, right? Like, the back catalog is strong enough. If they wanted to bring in good games, they could. Like, where's the Final Fantasy VII remaster? Like, where are things yeah. that would actually pull people in? Again, game that came out a year ago, so it's not like you're going mm. to be um, uh, really like um, cannibalizing that many sales. Even things like like um, uh, like it just seems to me like they haven't gone after any of the other studios who um, and and I understand the Activision stuff is weird right now, but that deal is also not close. So if you really wanted to fi- have a deal with them to be on your yeah. platform, you could sign one. Like now is actually the time to do it, Sony. If you wanted to do it, you need to do it before that deal closes. Yep, after make that, it happen. Who knows? And th- yeah, um, after that, they're they're all going to be on Game Pass, <laughs> and it's going right, to be it's right. just going to keep gaining market share because Microsoft can and also doesn't care about about like. You know the, the dollars and cents that are coming from outright game purchases, right? Like I said, they made the decision to give up one revenue stream in pursuit of a bigger pie, and I think mm-hmm. they're winning I think the that's pie. a smarter move. Yeah, they are winning the pie, and I think that's a smarter move. And and I think that increasingly, especially as, as like the the streaming stuff gets better, the it's going to matter less and less for some people, not for harder core gamers, but for some people, it's going to matter less and less what piece of hardware they own. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that I, I worry for Sony here. If this is if this is literally what they're going to market with. And you have to think, some people are like, well, this is just the first wave of announcements. They'll do other stuff. There aren't any big guns here. Like, yeah. like it, it, if I'm supposed to be excited about Spider-Man, again, it's 20 bucks. 
Like these games are on sale all the time. Why would I be spending $15 a month if I could get a game on sale um, even digitally, you know, for, for the same, like the, 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 the few good games, like why, why would I commit to, to paying this, this amount of money on an ongoing basis? I just, I don't see it. Microsoft is over here. They're like, I'm crazy, Eddie. I'm going to go. And I'm going to buy <laughs> Bethesda. Boom. I did it. Oh, but what? Like, Activision. Oopsie. Boom. I bought it. And now Sony's over here. You can't even come to a deal with Capcom to put out Resident Evil 2, you jerks. Right. Like, give me a break. Yeah, Microsoft is over money. here like swatting flies with an electric fly swatter. And Sony's like, ah, <laughs> All right, listen, folks, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by our friends at Text Expander. Get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important. With Text Expander, your team's knowledge is at their fingertips. Get your whole team on the same page by getting information out of silos and into the hands of everyone that needs to use it. You can share your team's knowledge across departments so that your team is sending a unified message your customers and isn't spending time reinventing the wheel, which takes a really long time. Here's how it works. First, you store it. Keep your company's most used emails, phrases, messaging, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Then share it. Get your whole team access to all of the content that they need to use every day. Organize it by department. And finally, expand it. Deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps that you use. It is that easy. And Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Basically, anywhere you might want to expand your productivity. Christina, how does Text Expander boost your productivity? I have a number of different like Apple scripts that I run and execute just using um, a few key commands. And so rather than having to remember exactly what they are, I can just fill them up and run them um, in. um, If I'm in a terminal, I can do it that way. Or if I'm in another application, just typing in a couple of commands will let me execute something, which is really, really useful. Um, I also have uh, a hack that I've had for, for years is that I have all of my um, emojis um, coded the same way that Slack emojis are, so oh. that I can just use the you know the the um, uh, colon um, you know like expression colon um, to um, insert the emoji in any application I'm in, even if it's not Slack, which is really useful. That's cool. So yeah, so so I I, I use them for for lots and lots of of things, and it's honestly it's one of the tools that saves me the most time, and that I I've, I don't even know how many hours or days or years I've saved over over the decade or so that I've been using this. If you too would like to save years off your life, as a listener of Rocket, you can. You can get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com slash rocket to learn more about Text Expander. That is textexpander.com slash rocket. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. You've all seen this coming. We have mm. to speak about we it. We have to. We gotta. Oh. We simply gotta. Um, okay. So Twitter oh. is a mess. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's going to be a point where you're like, wh- where, how, what, in what order are you telling the things that are a mess? Um, and we're just going to have to kind of feel our way through it because I've got a lot of notes here. So last time we covered... Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. 
he had secured funding and made an offer to purchase Twitter for $54.20, blaze it, a share, an offer which was accepted by the board. Both agreed to a $1 billion fee if either party backed out, uh, which is a little more complicated, a fact that we might touch on later. I've learned a little bit more about it. But moving on to the most recent thing that Elon Musk specifically has done, not the things that have happened within Twitter, Elon Musk tweeted, what? Who saw this coming? Uh, Saying that the deal is, quote unquote, on hold temporarily pending a look into Twitter's user numbers because allegedly, allegedly because uh, he learned, I guess, that 5% or more of Twitter's users might be bots and Twitter had uh, reported inflated numbers of real users. A statement which, like everything we're going to talk about right now, needs more looking into. Uh, So a couple things here. Twitter has indeed misreported the number of real people on the site before in quarterly earnings reports. Um, this is not a new thing, as and as pointed out by many people, including our dear Christina Warren on Twitter. Uh, the deal cannot be on hold because everyone signed a contract. And part of that was Twitter, you know, with their quarterly earnings reports saying, want to look at these? And Elon Musk saying, nah, we good. <laughs> um on top of that, the, the sub layer or perhaps top layer, I guess, of everything, whatever actual reason Elon Musk has for tweeting that the deal is, quote unquote, on hold temporarily, it is absolutely not to do with the percentage of bots that are or are not on Twitter. Um, it's everyone in the world agrees that that is just a smokescreen. What is actually happening Big question mark. Um, Meanwhile, over at Twitter in the days since uh, we last talked about uh, this acquisition uh, to take Twitter private, uh, morale has been so bad. Um, I mean, for one thing, uh, Twitter's uh, Twitter's employees have, I think, since the beginning of this felt confused and upset because Musk has been like continually disparaging the company's content rules that employees worked for years to implement. Um, he has attacked specific like employee uh, leadership at Twitter uh, who uh, Twitter employees are fond of. Uh, on top of all that, Twitter's shares uh, have just kept dropping and dropping in price since this whole thing, partly because of the back and forth. And then uh, two key people in Twitter leadership were essentially fired by uh, Twitter CEO Parag Agarwal, uh, those being products, consumer products head Kayvon Bekpour and revenue products head Bruce Falk. Uh, according, Agarwal had announced a statement saying they had like decided to go different ways, decided to depart the company. And then Bekpour on Twitter said he was bas- he was essentially asked to leave, um, as was Falk. Uh, and this, of course, happened while Beckpour was on paternity leave. So great stuff. Great stuff there. Um, it's just it's a very confusing time. And everyone is being a little bit of a mess. And I, I think much like the question, uh, two of the questions we'll be addressing today are like, why? Why? Um, the reasons why Musk might be wavering on the deal, but also reasons why Agarwal, who is likely you know going to get a buyout and leave the company if Musk uh, succeeds in purchasing it, why he would take out two more like key leadership members on uh, on his way out the door. It's very very confusing. 
and uh, undoubtedly strange and upsetting for the people who work there. But that's that's kind of my my high level summary, uh, initial reactions to this absolute S show. I, I don't even know where to start because this is all just yeah. ridiculous. And 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 as you said, like, look, the, the the crazy thing is, as we've mentioned before, is that Elon Musk is, seems to be like a completely irrational person and also um, has thus far avoided having to face any consequences for any decisions that he's made. And mm-hmm. so the the scary thing for me isn't so much, um, you know, like it's it's good to kind of make make the jokes like, oh, you don't actually have the money to uh, to do the deal, which might be true, right? Like he might have to actually sell a lot more stock, which would have a lot more repercussions and and could, you know, put him in for a lot more than he's comfortable going in for. Um, uh, and, and that's funny to have that sort of schadenfreude and whatnot. But at the same time, you're like, OK, but to what end? Because mm-hmm. people are saying, OK, well, maybe he's using this as a tactic to renegotiate. And and as I said, well, what is he going to renegotiate? He chose not to do due diligence. He made the the offer uh, the offer was accepted. They've signed an agreement. They are going forward. The board has, in fact, said we are going forward and will be encouraging our shareholders to vote on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not the board's fault that in the three weeks since that's happened, the, the stock market in general has just absolutely, you know, um, uh, blanked the bed. And, yeah, and get, outside of uh, even Twitter, obviously, like the entire tech exactly. industry. Yeah, the entire tech industry, the entire S&P 500, right? Like the entire like 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 Dow is just in in, in free fall. So that is um, they but they're going to say, well, that's not on us, right? Like you you made the decision to move forward as quickly as you did with this to not do due diligence. We are accepting this. Um, so um, on the one hand, kind of like, OK, well, he's going to have to put up or show up, shut up. But on the other hand, it's like, OK, what if he decides to be a complete Elon Musk type of person and try to fight this. I mean, mm-hmm. the board could make a decision and and renegotiate with him if, if he really seems like he's not going to be able to either get the funding together or, or come to the table in, in some way. Um, because at this point now, Twitter is, it's not like they're going to get a competing offer that's anywhere close to 54.20 a share. Um, but, but putting all that aside, like I, I, this is just, I guess, what's frustrating is that it's as as crazy as all this is and as, de- as destabilizing as this is for an entire company um, and, and for a whole bunch of people who are involved in this stuff, I don't know what consequences there will be to any of this if he does, for whatever reason, decide to try to back out of it or or do whatever he's doing. I don't know if, if there will actually be any consequences other than whatever breakup fee he has to pay if worst case scenario happens um, or 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 else. I, I don't know. Like that's, I guess, where I'm at is that this is just a mess and that it's very, very just frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you, Christina. And you, just before my comments, I just want to say to any of our, our listeners out there, if you have a Tesla... I, I I hope you understand we don't relish covering this topic every week. In our <laughs> in our discussion before this, it was like, oh God, do we have to cover this again? Oh my God, no. And then it's like the news is so crazy. Like this is the top story in the news cycle this week. We don't take joy in like covering this because I know there are a lot of decent people out there that own Teslas and are excited about EVs for the future of like uh, trying to address climate change in a structural way. We're not criticizing you. What I am criticizing is 
a billionaire that seems to have gotten bored with food and sex and is acting in a way indistinguishable from a 20-year-old white guy on 4chan. And it's the exact same behavior. It is so childish. It is so chaotic. I mean, you know, you think through what he's doing to Twitter and the people that work there. And it's not just the the thought that their boss could kind of be a jerk, right? It's that a lot of anyone that works in the tech industry, a lot of your compensation comes from stock. So he's just nuked everyone's stock options with this entire play if it doesn't come through. Like the the stock is just in the toilet. You know, Microsoft this week announced a huge expansion to compensation to kind of counter the the stock market lowering, right? Elon for him, he's just I like call Godzilla. It huge, but, but well, sure. okay, but it's it's substantial for the industry. Um, you know, Elon just comes through like Godzilla right? Just destroying the company and all of this. And why? Why? Like, I think all of us know that Twitter addiction where you want to get validated on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And what I find so fascinating is this is a dude with millions and millions and millions and millions of Twitter followers, and he has billions of dollars, and he can literally do anything he wants to do in life, literally anything. And the thing he wants to do is act like a 4chan on Twitter and hurt a bunch of people. My my overall like thought with this deal is I think we tend to like really second guess it. I actually don't think it's that complicated. I think that because Tesla stock is tanked, and by the way, Tesla stock is crazily overvalued, uh, like worth more than every other car company put together. Oof. Like it's just crazy overvalued. His stock has dropped and his liquidity that he has from selling Tesla shares it's a lot more expensive to get to 44 billion he's going to hit up venture capital with this fever dream of what he's going to turn uh, Twitter into it's not a credible vision and he just doesn't have the money so he's trying to save face to like get out of the deal I don't think it's more complicated than that mm. so I'm, I'm just I just I'm so frustrated. Like I think all of us are frustrated with the the way outsized wealth is kind of tearing America apart and how we're all trying to live our lives and these bad actors are are truly hurting the country. But it's so much more personal to me when it's Twitter, which is a place I spend a lot of my free time. Mm-hmm. And to see someone just wrecking the joint for no good reason when I don't believe he's going to be a good steward, it's just painful. Yeah, it it is very strange. And as as you and like just the sad to see, but as and as you said, Bree, like the likelihood that there will be consequences seems not terribly high. Uh, So another part of this is that uh, let's see, where are my notes on this? So uh, allegedly the SEC is investigating uh, how uh, back when Elon Musk bought up to 9% of Twitter stock, uh, what was this a month ago at this point? He did not disclose that within like the required window. Um, So they are allegedly investigating that. That being said, 
the whatever action will be taken there is probably nothing worse than a fine. Um, nothing's yeah, going mean, to happen. It, 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 no, nothing's going to yeah. happen. And in fact, at this point, I think that even like the the, sh- the main Twitter shareholders would not be in favor of having any sort of sanctions against yeah, him because, because again, it bash. well, not only that, but they they need him to find the the to to get to close out the financing. Yeah, I think they need him like a four- to have money. <laughs> there, there's like a fourteen billion, um, uh, I guess, uh, kind of um, uh, uh, surplus right now between what he's got committed from other people and like what he would need to kind of get together to get this deal closed, which is certainly not inconceivable. Um, He could definitely, you know, again, his liquidity would have to change, but it's not like he can't do it. Mm -hmm. The other thing, but, but that doesn't mean that this couldn't become a really complicated legal game where everybody has to go to court and that just is going to further destabilize the company. And, and so, you know, if I'm on the board, I, I would there would be a part of me who'd be like, yeah, burn it to the ground, take it all the way to the end, make him buy this thing that he claimed that he was mm-hmm. going to buy. But on the other hand, I think that if you're thinking about, OK, well, how much damage is this continuing to do to the business um, and, and to the people who work there and to the ongoing concerns, that becomes really difficult because he's been such a destabilizing force. Mm-hmm. Now, Parag Agarwal, I, in my opinion, has not helped. I think that the the decisions that he made for whatever reason to shake up his exec team were ridiculous. And 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 from people that I've talked to at Twitter, only made morale worse. So I think this is kind of, in some ways, this is kind of one of those like everyone sucks here situations. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm still rooting for like the board to not back down, like, go toe to toe with him, you know, force yeah. him to actually make good on what he's doing. But even if they were to do that, he could still win in some cases because at a certain point it might be like, okay, they have to renegotiate just to, you know, not um destabilize the entire thing for yeah. you know, b- before they can get out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the that kind of brings me to another of the things I wanted to talk about, which is um Matt Levine on Bloomberg has been covering this extensively and he had a little more to say about this, like, $1 billion walk away uh, cat clause, um, which is correct, but also more complicated than I think uh, than we previously discussed and has mm-hmm. been talked about before. And you were just kind of alluding to it, Christina, which is that, yes, everyone can walk away and whoever decides to has to pay a billion dollars. But Twitter also has the right to say, hey, actually, you don't get to walk away. We They yep. can try to force him to close, in which case um, they could, as you were saying, go to court. Um, and in that case, Musk would have to prove um, that the 5% or whatever, however many percentage of bots there are, like w- severely financially damaged w- 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 is, is material, um, material adverse impact. effect. Yes, um, which is totally unlikely. To be yeah, proven. I mean, yeah, I was going to say Matt Levine, who uh, his his opinion column for Bloomberg, I, I can't recommend enough people to subscribe to his newsletter and, and read it. It's he's one of the best writers I think on the internet. Um, he's just amazing. But he was, you know, putting this into terms last week. I think which when Elon was starting with down this uh, train of thought, which was he he doesn't see um, in any way that any court that anyone would would rule, even if Twitter was actually fifty percent bots, that that would be a material. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, adverse impact. It, proving that is extremely, extremely difficult. And and Elon might get away with a lot of stuff um, and, and not face consequences from the SEC and whatnot. But there are also, at the end of the day, like a square is a square, a triangle is a triangle. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, 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 it is or it isn't. And I feel like if he gets out of this deal in some way, it's going to be because the board blinks and is willing to either 
go through a breakup thing because they don't want to have any more distress or because after a, an elongated legal struggle, they come to um, a, negoti- a renegotiated price. Like, that's the only way I see mm-hmm. like yeah. him, him getting out of this for under, you know, $44 billion. And yeah, and like go- going to court would be miserable for Twitter. It would be so expensive. Yeah. It would be uh, prolonged. It would be awful. Um, and I don't doubt that, like, because of the nature of Musk's, like, fan base, it would just feel very bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is I think this is the ultimate thing that is so frustrating about this, like watching. And it's, it's fascinating, but it's also frustrating. Mm-hmm. It, I have to totally admit, like, there's a fascinating aspect in watching this sort of behavior happen because we I've never seen anything like this. So, so there is an aspect of it that I still to this day, like, it is fascinating. And there will be a great TV show, I'm sure about everything that happened internally at Twitter and and everything that's going on. Um, but what what happens, what's happening is you have someone who, you know, you have like people like the Twitter board and whatnot who would be acting like rational adults and thinking about others and, you know, being being adults. And then you have someone who literally doesn't care, yeah. who does not care and who, and, and who will, it, it seems to me, he does not even afraid of like being shown as, as being embarrassed, not having enough money or this or that. Like it almost just feels like, he is the sort of guy that, like, I would never want to play chicken with because I don't know if he will ever swerve. He's Kevin Bacon and Footloose. I'm actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think this is very similar to the end of We Crashed, which we can spoil now. <laughs> you know, where so there's this theme through We Crashed. It's like, who do you bet on? The crazy person or the smart person? Right. And at the very end of it, the ending is, well... It's a trick question because you actually, the person with the most money wins the fight. Mm. Yeah, I'm a billionaire and I'll see you in court. And then the story ended with them like fighting over uh, Adam Newman's compensation for many, many years. That's what I think this is about, essentially. That's where I think it's going. So I agree with you, Christina. It's, I just, I think you cannot... Like Jack Dorsey, if you read about some of his stuff, like sitting in a specialized tent to like cut out RF waves, you know, mm-hmm. and him like going on like new age spiritual stuff and saying, oh, I just feel so much better. Like the dude is weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah, totally. I don't feel like we talk about how weird he is enough, but the guy ran Twitter better than the current <laughs> coterie of people. And I just, I think it's, it's, it's painful watching something I love falling apart. Mm-hmm. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Coda.io. Spending your workday jumping from one platform to another for every single task can really squash productivity. Uh, it, I myself am frequently, you know, switching not only between like web windows, but then the programs that I'm using and maybe like videos that I'm trying to download to use and the other programs that I'm using. It's all very confusing and there's a lot going on. If you haven't switched to Coda yet, you got to check that out. Coda is the doc that brings it all together. Your valuable data, plans, objectives, and strategies in the same place on the same page. If your best work is spread out across documents, spreadsheets, and a stack of workflow tools that you have to jump in and out of all day, you should bring it together in a Coda doc. Integrate with the tools that you use every day and easily import from other platforms so your Coda doc can be your single source of truth. Everything is connected in Coda. Buttons can take action. Your tables can talk to each other. So an update in one place updates everywhere. 
which saves pasting the same thing in nine different places. Ah, you're talking about my latest script draft? Oh no, there are templates for anything and everything. Product roadmap, remote onboarding, goal tracker, meeting notes, you name it, Coda has it. With Coda, your team can operate on the same information quickly and efficiently. And right now, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head over to coda.io slash rocket. That is C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free. Coda.io slash rocket. Our thanks to Coda for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, now we get to talk about a fun thing before we dismiss for the night. So, Chris, I know there's a couple a couple fun hardware options here. What we had talked about was that, Christina, you have finally gotten your hands on the play date. Yes. But I know that you also have a Steam Deck. Which one well, have you no. used more? Well, okay, no, my Steam Deck has not oh, arrived yet. It's not it, here it yet. Will be here. It's supposed to be here tomorrow. So, well, that um, solves that problem. Th- Exactly. I was going to say next week I should have the steam. I should have the steam deck. Uh, finally, my, my, my five twelve. but, um, yes, I have my play date. Finally, finally, finally. Very exciting. So this is the, uh, tiny little yellow handheld device. It's got a beautiful, beautiful, crisp, black and white screen. It plays games like developed specifically for the play date. Um, and it's got a fun crank. I, there was a lot, a lot of excitement when this was first announced, I think because of the developer's track record, um, as well as just the kind of cute retro-ness of it. I think of all of us, I was kind of the most skeptical of it because I, uh, because I don't love fun and I hate things that are nice. So I am I'm curious to know whether whether you think it's worth the hype and worth the wait, I guess, because you've been on the wait list forever. Yeah. So I first played with this thing at XOXO in, gosh, I guess like September of 2019. So um, and then it went up for pre-order, I think in 2021, maybe it's been delayed a number of times. You know, they've run into a lot of problems, um, uh, as everyone has uh, in the last two years with the pandemic and supply chain. And then there was a battery problem that made them have to basically like uh, fix a bunch of units they'd already produced and 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 um, you know put new batteries in them and whatnot. And so um, I finally got mine. I do think that it is worth the wait. It's adorable. This is not a mainstream game console. That is the first thing I want to tell people. Mm-hmm. This is a weird fun, um, very, um, I think like there's a serendipitous and like, uh, awesome kind of like nostalgia aspect to this, but this is also just kind of like a, it's a kind of a single use device. Yes. It has an internet connection for you to download games and upload things or sideload things, but it's, it's, um, you know, a, a kind of a single purpose device. Um, and, and it's, uh, the way that it works is that, uh, at least, uh, for the first um, like they have what they're calling, they're, they're committed to at least one season where every week you will get, um, two new games and they are a, a varying, um, you know, uh, genres and different things. And you're kind of delighted with them. You don't know what you're going to get each week. And, um, uh, the same people who got their, you know, unit that the same day as you, you all are, are kind of getting things on the same schedule, but some people get them newer. 
Uh, but then where I think it'd be, and, and some of the games are really fun. Like there's this, this bird watcher uh, game, which is kind of uh, similar to uh, Pokemon Snap, if you remember that, or Pokemon Stadium. And um, it, but, but it's, it's actually fun. There's some, um, there, there's a, a game that's very similar to the surfing level from uh, California games, which was one of my favorite games <gasps> I love when I was game. really little. Yeah, it's great. And, and, and the crank aspect works really, really well as, as an input device on that. But what I love about this, I think what excites me about it um, is that it has a, an SDK and it has like a whole play, a whole ability for people to build their own games and sideload it. And so mm. we've already seen some really interesting indie games on itch.io and on GitHub that people are, are putting out there that are really cool. People are making like their own little Tetris clones and and like somebody like this one I, I'm just looking at right now. It, it's awesome. I think um, some of them are free. Uh, most of them are free. Some of them, uh, you know, cost a dollar or something. There's one where basically somebody recreated the the famous like DVD screensaver, you know, with it just like bounces around wow. the screen. And and that's just like a game that, that someone did who'd never coded in Lua before, which which is the uh, the scripting language that you can use in this. You could also use C, but uh, Lua is a much easier to use kind of scripting language. And um, people have actually already created emulators and put them on GitHub if you wanted to load in Game Boy games. So there <laughs> are ways where you could play, you know, like it's not supposed to be an emulator. It's not what it's supposed to be for, but people have figured out ways to do that. So I think that for the audience that I think this is at, which is people who have enough disposable income to spend $180 on kind of a single-use gadget that is also has kind of a DIY aesthetic and that is super cute and fun, I think it's perfect. But this is not the sort of thing where if this is not you, where I'd be like, oh, yes, you have to get this because these are like must-play games and this is the best thing in the world. This is like for a very specific audience of which I am like, completely in like the middle of like the overlapping <laughs> Venn diagrams of all the things. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. Yes. It, it sounds like uh, I am correct in thinking that is, it is perhaps not for me. Um, however, I'm happy that it exists for you. And I also, while you were talking immediately had to Google to see if there were, if somebody had managed to get Elden Ring running on it. Oh yeah. That would be amazing. I think somebody did get doom on it though. That I, think, I think doom is, I think Doom is already on it. Um, Bree, this this is also completely your stuff. I don't know where you are, if you were able to pre-order one or not. Yeah, I'm in group four. I wanted to ask which group you were in. I was in group one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was in group one, and I was, I guess, maybe towards like the end, because I think that was the first 10,000 units, and I was like 79-something. Oh, so, man, that means I'm going to be getting it like at Christmas at this rate. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, that's the downside of this. I think it's so cool. And I actually feel like this is the sort of thing that could for, again, like I wish that the supply chain stuff wasn't what it is because not that I feel like it's like a massive audience, but I feel like the fact that you can build, like, because they've got um, an SDK and an emulator and um, even, um, you know, like a a web browsing kind of studio tool if you want to build stuff. Like I'm hoping to build my own little puzzle game with it um, uh, because I would, it probably will be terrible, but um, It'll, it's possible, and I think that'll be fun. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, but but like, I, but because of that, I feel like this is one of the rare devices out there that actually has something that's more accessible than so many other things. Like in my mind, I think I could build a game for this. I don't think I could build a game for anything else, and and that's exciting to me. Just the fact that I'm glad something like this exists, and and I hope that they're able to, you know, at some point maybe make them make more of them. Can we review your game? Kindly. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. 
with our disclosure. I think it should be Christina Quest. That's Christina what you Quest. should do. And you just crank the thing. And it's like more stuff is coming into your house. And you're <gasps> crank oh, only. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, that's actually a really good idea of like of like a of a collecting thing. Of like I have to collect all of the it's all like the Theranos, stuff. and then it's a camera, uh-huh. and then it's Taylor Swift tickets, and uh-huh. then it's you know a nice chair. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like like just yeah, yeah, just spin Christina's money game. Like, okay, you no, have like, this amount of money, collect all the things. I'm kind of liking where this is going, Brie. Yeah. I'm kind of liking this. I, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, my biggest, I think all of us that uh, lived through the original Game Boy era <laughs> have some traumatic experiences with monochrome screens. Yes. So, um, you know, I've read reviews of this and it says it's it's sharp, it's it's not great, but the fact that it doesn't have like a backlight in it yes. is a problem. So I want right. to know your impression of that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So the screen, this is an important thing to know. The screen, um, it would be nice if it had a backlight. I don't know how they could do it on this type of screen, to be honest with you, because it is, it's not e-ink, but it's very similar and that it's like a, a, a reflexive kind of screen. So if you are in direct sunlight, it is awesome. It is crisp. It is really easy to see. It's tiny, but but it but it's really, really good. The problem is, is that if you are not in direct sunlight or directly under a light source, it can be harder to see. So if um, you're, you know, if you cannot play this at night without, uh, you know, I, I guess you could get kind of a, a light boy accessory, you know, like the, the lights they used to have for the Game Boy Color, yeah. you know, yeah, plug I in remember. the bottom. I remember. I think the, yeah, <laughs> I think something like that you could probably do. Um, I, I would not, though, there were some people early on who were comparing it to the original Game Boy screen. That's insane. Uh, that dot matrix screen was low resolution. And even if you had a, a, a light boy, which were, those were different than the Game Boy Color ones, which were better. Um, it, it's just not even in the same league. I, I yeah, wish this looks, that it was. I was just looking at like GIFs of it. It looks quite good. It's very good. You just need to be under direct yeah. uh, under a direct light source, and that's the thing that I do wish that they'd had they'd been able to figure out. To be honest with you, other than changing the screen type, and what's nice about the screen is that this means that the battery life is just really, really good. So even when it's like in standby, there's still like a little screensaver on it showing you, you know, the time or whatever. Um, I got the little case for it that um, I, I don't know if the screen actually turns off or not, but I I got like the, the little um, uh, just little case, kind of like an iPad case type of thing for it. Um, so b- battery life is really good, but. I don't know if it would have been possible for them to add a backlight to this screen technology um, and stay in the budget that they have. I'm just not sure if that would be possible. And I don't even know if that type of screen, if you could add a backlight to it. But I do agree with people who say that that's um, uh, definitely uh, one of the, one of the things that, that is not great. So if, if you're hoping that like, oh, I, I would love to play this in bed while my spouse is sleeping and whatnot or, or the lights are out. Unfortunately, that is not going to be the case. You you have no to be in cranking it in light. bed with your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brianna, what are you up to this week? Before I tell you that, I just have a I had a great uh, mechanic idea for Christina Quest. Yes. Okay, so you're just playing it, you're doing your thing, and then red alert! Like Apple has dropped the new device, and then you've got and you've got to like, move up. Yeah, it's like the spin up on a Peloton, right? So you've oh, got to go wow. from like your leisurely, oh, like this 70, is good. You gotta do spin ups, or it's you, you scrolling get through like fake listings for <gasps> PS5s and like trying oh, to get one. God, oh, yes, this is so good. So, so you press We're up brilliant. and down, mm-hmm. you press up and down to go to the different marketplaces, and then you've got to do the crank and get it before time is up. 
I I want like I want to learn Lua and code this. Marie, now. when you get your hands on the play date, you're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> I, I was going to say I was like I'm actually like we're 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 like we're joking here, but the more I'm thinking about this, I'm kind of loving this game idea. To be completely honest with you, I, yeah. I'm already thinking of game mechanics. Rocket stuff. launches a game studio. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like I think it'd be fun. No, I but this is I'm and 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 see, I bought this completely disassociated from work at all. But I'm actually this is what's great about working at GitHub. I think that I could turn this into work content. Oh my gosh, you totally could. You could do the graphics by using because you've got you have a full frame camera, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can you could put it in front of like a, a backdrop, a white backdrop, and then like get it really well lit, and then like push your chair into the room <laughs> and take a picture of it and turn that into an alpha, right? right? And then like all your stuff, just put it in a light box, and then just make it like cheap digitized graphics of everything. I think oh, the, that would work. And you'd clean your office because you'd have to good, go in I was to gonna like say, get all of it. I was going to say, I would have to do that. This is this is all really, really good ideas. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I think that, I think the Christina Quest, I think that like, I'm actually hoping that I can turn this into actual work content and streams and other stuff as I as I try to figure this out. Amazing. So what I'm doing this week, um, I want to thank Rocket listeners. Uh, so many of y'all stepped up uh, this last week to help uh, my friend Derek Powell find his mom. She's unfortunately still missing. Um, we have a situation I'm trying to deal with today where there was a sighting of her and we can't get McDonald's to let us... Uh, like look at the footage someone came in there was a woman with dementia he bought her a meal very sweetly uh contacted us gave identifying information about her and mcdonald's won't let the family look at the freaking footage because of some stupid corporate policy so um you know i'm helping with that as best as i can and uh it's very exciting Jeez, um yeah i'll, I'll have that link it's totally bonkers to me that someone could be missing for that long in this day and age. And I can't imagine how awful uh, Derek must feel. Yeah. Um, ugh. So we'll have that link in the show notes again. Um, Christina, what are you up to this week? Yeah. So I'm doing um, work stuff. We will be filming the next episode of the download uh, tomorrow. It'll be out on Friday. Um, show's doing really well now that it's on the, the GitHub YouTube channel. Like, hey. It's like, it's like, doing really well so continue watching like and subscribe um but yeah i have just been uh, kind of a uh, you know kicking it with some work stuff um next week um next weekend because it's memorial day i'm going to a wedding so i'm just trying to kind of uh pare down and i guess kind of get like things squared away so that i can uh leave on thursday and uh and then be like done and just enjoy san diego yay <laughs> Um, I am not leaving the house, I guess, until I get rid of this cough, um, which is not COVID. It's just an annoying little cough. Um, other than that, uh, just working on new videos, trying to finish a very, very long project that has been going on for a very long time. But I would recommend if you haven't seen it, my coworker, Pat, a couple weeks ago released his magnum opus, which is this incredible look at uh, the development of Call of Duty and how it became a tool of the military entertainment complex over Ooh. the years since its like first release when it was a kind of simplistic World War II shooter in the vein of Saving Private Ryan to when it got weird after 9-11 um, and just kind of increasingly got bigger and weirder and bigger and weirder um, and deepened its own the um, 
development's own relationships with the United States military. It's a really good video. Um, He has worked on it for over a year, and I am so proud of how how well it has turned out. And I definitely recommend it to anyone, even if you don't know anything about Call of Duty. He's kind of approaching it through the lens of this bizarre, I I believe, 2011. No, it's not 2011. This bizarre uh, Call of Duty convention that Activision put on in partnership with Mountain Dew that just turns into this like surreal carnival of war as he puts it um it's very it's very interesting so i definitely recommend it i'll put that link in the show notes brianna where can we find you online I uh, find me for the moment at Brianna Wu on Twitter. Uh, and I actually am on Instagram uh, more these days. Uh, I think I'm going to have to have y'all explain the paradigm to me because I'm just <laughs> like, I've been doing a lot more uh, photography. Like mm-hmm. I've, I have some great camera equipment. And uh, what I'm doing with all the COVID numbers is going outside and just doing a whole bunch of uh, wildlife photography, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, but you can also see find me on Instagram. It's just hooked up to the same account as my Facebook. And Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Um, and uh, you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash GitHub. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at doomquasar and at youtube.com slash polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rockets. If you liked it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We love it when that happens. It helps people find the show, helps people listen to the show, and we like it when people listen to the show. So it's kind of this like great self, you know, fulfilling uh, prophecy. Uh, prophecy? Is it? Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.